We will tonight, Lord willing, unless something crazy happens, finish up the book of Exodus. We've been in Exodus for quite a while now, and uh, we've covered most of it uh, verse by verse. We did skip over a little bit of it just just because uh, it's sections that are hard to preach to. Not, uh, not that the material's hard, but just that it's kind of... I hate to use the word boring, but uh, just repeating a lot of measurements. Uh, this is this length, and this is that length, and this is this length, and this is that length, and that goes on for chapters, and make this, and make it this way, and that length, and that. And so we, we skipped a, several chapters, and, and starting in chapter 25, I think, through 31, where God is giving uh, Moses and the Israelites instructions on what the tabernacle is to look like, how exactly it's to be made, what all the materials were to be made of, and God gave very specific instructions. He's perfect, of course, so his instructions were exactly the way he wanted the tabernacle to be built. And so when we got to that section of, of Exodus back in chapter 25 through 31, we, we skipped over that section. Now, we, there's been a couple of things in the last couple of weeks that we've seen that have been repeats, really, from, from what we saw at the beginning of Exodus. So this, these last few chapters we've looked at were kind of repeats of what God had already told the people before in chapters we had looked at. Now, God had given them the instruction, uh, the Ten Commandments, the law, back in around Exodus chapter 20, and in those following verses, He gave them some instructions. But then after all those instructions were given, that's when they made the golden calf and they were disobedient, and then God kind of repeated those instructions. We've looked at some of those over the last few weeks where God is relenting of, of being angry with them. He was angry with them, and Moses interceded and said, Look, God, we need you to go with us. We want you to go with us. We can't go without you. And God, being faithful to the people of Israel, even when they were unfaithful, he relented of his anger toward them, and God is going with them on their way. So Moses got the Ten Commandments on stone for a second time because he broke the first ones. And then God repeats some of the same things again. He's restating for them what they should do. Now, I'm, I believe that this probably happened on two different occasions. It could be that Moses writing Exodus wrote the event twice, but it sounds like that this probably happened two different times. And so last week we finished up with Exodus chapter 34, and then from Exodus chapter 30, 35 all the way through chapter 40, there's a repeat of the things that we, we skipped over also in Exodus 25 through 31 where God is reiterating these instructions about the temple. He's, he's telling them, build the temple, build it this way. This is how the priesthood's going to be. These are the type of garments the priest should wear. Now, I would encourage you to read that. Uh, if you get a chance this week, even if you just read a verse a day, you could finish it up in just a few days. Uh, but you can read through these verses that we skipped, and they tell you exactly about the temple, exactly about the Ark of the Covenant, exactly how everything was supposed to be, from the tables that were there to the basins that they would use to wash in to the bread that was to be put on the tables, the golden lampstand, all of the details were very exact there for how things were supposed to be. And God is, is, is restating to them that he wants them to build a tabernacle. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about in the closing verses of Exodus chapter 40 tonight as we conclude the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 40, you can flip all the way to the end, verse 34 through verse 38. Those are the verses we'll look at tonight. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 40, 
verses 34 through 38. When you get it, say, got it. All right. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. God, I pray that you help us to learn something from your word. I pray that you help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. And dear Lord, I pray that you help us to see the significance and the importance of these instructions that you have given to your people. Even though we may not have, have covered them in, in great detail, dear Lord, we, we know your word is true. We know you tell your people these instructions for a reason, God. We know that your, your perfect uh, guidelines and your perfect plans were there for the building of the tabernacle, dear Lord. And I pray that as we Talk about that tonight as we talk about you tabernacling and dwelling with those people then, dear Lord, that you help us to realize that that's your desire still for us today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, if you remember from back when we were reading through, there was a cloud that would that would guide the Israelites by day and a pillar of fire by night. And this, this idea of this cloud and God being in the cloud or the cloud being representative of God is what we are seeing here. That God's presence was among the people in a way that they could visibly, physically see. Now, they couldn't see God in his actual form, as we remember from a few weeks ago. No one can see God and live. But God did present himself to them in the form of this cloud so that they could see that he was with them. And upon completion of this tabernacle that they were building, God in the cloud would come and he would descend and he would cover the, uh, the tent of meeting uh, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In verse 35, Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The Israelites set out whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle throughout all the stages of their journey. If the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until that day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and there was a fire inside the cloud by night, visible to the entire house of Israel throughout all the stages of their journey. Now, when we first started this series, I'd entitled it Journey, a, a, a Study of Exodus. That's what we have been on. We've been on a journey with God's people of Israel as they had been on a journey. Now, their journey didn't conclude here at the end of Exodus, uh, but the book of Exodus stops here, and we can continue to read on further in the Scripture if you want to see where their journey takes them. And even though at this point in time they are being obedient to the Lord, even after their disobedience, it seems as though they are on the right track. And the verses leading up to this uh, in, the, in the previous chapters, as God was giving them the instructions on what they needed to build the tabernacle, it said the people were coming and they were bringing the things that were needed. They were offering up the materials that were needed to build the tabernacle. Now that, I think, tells us that the people were wanting to serve the Lord. They wouldn't be offering up their materials uh, willingly, saying, all right, we're going to give you this, God. We're going to give you of this that we have. They were giving of those things to the Lord, because they were being obedient to the Lord and they wanted to follow his instructions. They knew 
what it was going to take to build the tabernacle. I heard somebody say today uh, that that based on the descriptions of the things that were given, that were overlaid and covered with gold, based on today's standard and the amount of gold it would take to do those things, it would have been over $10 million worth of gold that would have been used. So this would have been a magnificent, I mean, obviously it's magnificent. It's designed by the Lord God himself. This would have been a magnificent uh, sight to see. And the Israelites were all on board with following the Lord. They were being obedient to him. And their journey has taken them all the way from being a people that didn't have anything, a people who were enslaved, a people who were pretty much just living with, with no real hope, to a people who have now seen God work uh, to free them through Moses, who he sent back to to Egypt to 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 tell Pharaoh that God was coming and he was going to unleash his power on him in these plagues if Pharaoh didn't listen. Of course, if you remember, Pharaoh didn't listen. The plagues rang down upon Egypt until finally Pharaoh relented and he let God's people go. And that's when their journey really began, as they began to leave their whole life, all that they had ever known, even though it was a bad life, a life of slavery, even still at first, if you remember, there were times that they said, boy, it would be better off if we were back where we were. Here we are wandering out on this journey. At least back in the day when we were in Egypt, we knew what things were going to be like. Maybe we should be back where we were. Now we're just going to wander and we're going to die in the desert. And so God had to be patient with the people because as they were going on their journey, boy, they were pretty hard-headed. God was trying to get them from where they were to where he wanted them to be. <coughs> Excuse me. But along the process, he really had to be patient with them as they tried his patience. Eventually, he led them through the Red Sea that he parted miraculously. And then upon their making it safely across, the Red Sea closed and covered up Pharaoh and all those who were chasing them, and, and, and they continued on their journey to the point where God uh, appeared to them on the mountain. They could see his presence on the mountain as God was speaking his commands to them. And through Moses going back and forth up the mountain, he was relaying a message. He was telling the people what God wanted. Uh, he was interceding for the people when they sinned. And here God is finally getting what he wants, and that is that he wants to dwell with his people. That was God's desire. He wanted to dwell with his people. And God did that, at least in these times, through the tabernacle. It was through this tabernacle that they built. It was to, to perfect specification of what God said. This was the place. This was the tent. This was the house, the dwelling place, where God would come down and be among his people. And that's what God's desire was. I believe that's what God's desire was in the garden. As it said, he would, he would be in the garden among Adam and Eve. I believe that God desired to dwell among his people then. And sin affected that dwelling and that God couldn't dwell with us in the way he wanted to. But that did not change what God wanted. He wanted to dwell with his creation, his best, most wonderful creation, which is humanity that he loves, that he breathed the breath of life into. God desired to dwell with people from the get-go, and guess what? He still desires to dwell with us today. Now, back in these days, he dwelled with the people, among the people, in the form of a tabernacle, an actual tent that they would build, that they would move, that they would take from place to place with them. And notice what it says here, that when they built the tabernacle and God was 
on the tabernacle that Moses couldn't go in as the cloud was around the tabernacle. And, and as long as the cloud was on the tabernacle, unless God was moving, then they weren't going to move. Unless God was moving, they were going to stay where they were. If God was not moving, they were not moving. When God moved, they followed. Now that's good advice for us today as a church, I believe. That's something I was thinking about today as I was looking at these verses. I was thinking, you know, that's true for us because I think sometimes, and maybe this is just me, we think as a church, well, we need to be, if something's not moving, if something's not going, if something's not happening, then we need to make something move. We need to do this and we need to do that and, and we're not doing a good enough job. But it may be, it may not be that stuff isn't moving because we're not doing a good job. It may be that there is a season where God is simply not moving. There may be seasons in our life individually and as a church where God is not moving. He's sitting still. He's got us right where he wants us. He wants us to be right here doing just what we're doing. And there may be other times when God does move. And those are the times we need to pay attention to. One, we don't need to try to make something happen if God is not moving. That is, if God is not involved in leading in that direction, if God has called us and planted us, do this, do that, stay right here, stay in this ministry, don't start anything else right now, just wait on me. If God is sitting still, then we need to sit still and we need to wait on God, be still and know that He is God. But when God moves, that's when we need to pay attention. We need to say, okay, God, we're ready. We're sitting on go, but we're not going without you. What would have happened to the Israelites if they would have said, well, God's on the tabernacle and he's not moving. We want to get stuff done. We got to go. We got to get to the promised land. God said it's ours. We know he's a powerful God. We're going. We're going to do it our way. Well, that wouldn't have worked out for them if they would have simply left God when God was sitting where he wanted the people to be. And where he wants the people to be is where he is. And we need to take a lesson there is when God is, 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 is not moving, then we don't need to be moving or else we may move away from God. Because if God's not moving and we are, guess what? We're moving away from God. It doesn't matter which direction that we're moving. We should desire to, to be right beside God. And when God moves, we need to be sitting on ready. Whether it's individually and God reveals something to us and we see God up there saying, hey, here's, here's an opportunity. Here's somebody you can help. Here's somebody you can pray for. Here's something you can do. Here's something you can help with at the church. And when we see God beginning to move in that direction, then we got to be ready as Christians to follow him. When we see God as a church, when we see God begin to move and we, we begin to see a door opened and an opportunity to serve and an opportunity to minister to somebody, and we say, okay, God, we've been waiting on you, we trust you, and we see that opportunity. We see that you want us to move. We see that you want us to help this group, to help this person, to serve you in this way. God, we see you moving all around us. We see you moving out these doors. We see you moving in Burma. We see you moving in Haiti. We see you moving in shoeboxes. God, we're going to follow you right down those paths, and we're going to do your work. And that's what the Israelites did. When God wasn't moving, they wasn't moving. But when God moved, they were ready to follow, and that's a good important lesson for us to, to hear today, both on an individual level and on a church level. And God has not changed. Guess what? God still desires to be with you and I today. 
Now praise the Lord, isn't it great that we don't have to memorize these instructions and go back to them and start building a tabernacle? Would not that be a bummer if we were always on the move and we had to tote all this heavy stuff and all these curtains and all this wood and all this ark that if we touched it we would die? Isn't that, wouldn't that be horrible if every time we were on the move we had to do all this stuff and then we had to build this tabernacle and then God would come and dwell with us? Boy, that's a, that's a lot of work. But they did it because they were being obedient to God. But God has given us a better way. God has given us a better way. That, that word tabernacle, that idea of a tabernacle, is something that we see even in the New Testament. In Exodus chapter 29, we didn't cover this verse in detail, but in Exodus 29, verses 45 and 20, uh, 46, it says this. This is God speaking here. He says, I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God, and they will know that I am Yahweh their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am Yahweh their God. What does God want to do? He wants to dwell among His people. He told them from the get-go in Exodus 29, 45, and 46, I will be their God. I want to be their God. I want to dwell with my people. We see uh, the same thing in the New Testament. Now, we don't live under the tabernacle. We don't build a tabernacle so that, so that the Lord will come down and we can be in His presence. Instead, we have something so much better in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment and the perfect fulfillment of everything God desires and everything that God wants. And it's through Jesus Christ that we dwell with God and God dwells with us. In John chapter 1, it talks about that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 14, listen to this now. The Word became flesh and took up residence among us, or dwelt among us, or the actual Greek word there, you know what it is? Tabernacled among us. The word became uh, flesh and tabernacled among us. The very word that talks about Jesus, the word that's used there in the Greek is the same word that's used for tabernacle in the Old Testament. That's what Jesus Christ come to do for us. He come to tabernacle with us. Not that we build a little tabernacle inside of our body, but that is Jesus Christ is in our heart, in the Holy Spirit, uh, or the Holy Spirit who is in us through Jesus Christ. He dwells among us. So exactly what God desired for His people, what they had to do in the times of Moses in the book of Exodus, where they had to build a tabernacle, God has sent us His Son, Jesus Christ, so that through Him, God will dwell with us. Isn't that good news? What God wanted to do for His people then is the same thing that God wants to do for you and I today. What did God want to do for His people then? God wanted to lead His people out of sin and slavery and into the safety of His presence. That's what God wanted to do for the Israelites, and that's what God wants to do for us. We may not be enslaved to the Egyptians, but guess what? Sin is tough in our life. We are slaves to sin sometimes. And sin is not what we should desire. Sin should not rule over us. And God does not desire for us to, to, to be held captive by our sin and by our slavery. But He desires for us to be safe in His presence. And that only comes through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Just as God delivered His people then, guess what? God will deliver His people now. Just as everything in the book of Exodus was God's 
perfect plan then and it was carried out to the best it could be. It could never fulfill God's plan plan completely and God saw that and all of the things that we've read about in Exodus, they were all pointing us in one direction to one person and that is Jesus Christ and Christ alone who is the ultimate safety and security and residence for us that he may tabernacle among us just as God did at the closing of Exodus here where he tabernacled among his people and dwelt among them. They were there when he stopped and they followed him when he went. Let us be faithful to do the same. Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these words. This is good stuff, dear Lord. And we thank you for tabernacling among us in Jesus Christ, dear Lord. We thank you for that your word became flesh. We thank you that Jesus came and lived on this earth, dear Lord, and and, uh, was a sacrifice for us and willingly shed his blood on our behalf, dear Lord God. And I pray, dear Lord, that, that we would just know that you're with us, God, that we wouldn't Uh, that we wouldn't let sin mess up our relationship with you, God, but we would see how much you desire to be with us, dear Lord, and let us seek you. Let us seek your words, and let us know that you are dwelling among us, dear Lord, through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.